is Belleville going to be a hero or is it going to be a villain? And here we are at the hero stage, and I'm just overjoyed. This is Defender Radio. Michael Howie, and this is Defender Radio, the podcast for wildlife advocates and animal lovers, brought to you by the Fur Bearers. Every now and then, I feel like I get to play journalist again. Last week, that came in the form of standing in a wetland for four days as a community came together to save the lives of beavers. It was pretty awesome. The interviews you're about to hear were all recorded in the field, so on one day it was raining sideways, and throughout my time there, there was regularly hammering, sawing, and other construction noises taking place as we were on site at the culverts where the beavers had dammed. This story all started about a year ago in the city of Belleville, a community of around 50,000 people on the Bay of Quinte, about three hours east of Toronto. Doug Knutson one of the integral players in what would occur, shared what happened when he was out on a casual summer stroll last year. Well, we live on, uh, we back onto Stanley Park, which uh, if you go east, it becomes a great marsh, and it's completely hemmed in now by homes, uh, a subdivision and a road. And since we've lived here, we've taken walks around this. It's about a mile, two kilometers uh, around there, and it's just a nice, pleasant walk. And the feature of the walk is always to stop at the marsh down at the east end, and see if we can spot this beaver. And as long as we've lived here, we've been here 18 years, uh, there's been beavers come and go. We've seen the dams. Um, kind of tickles the back of your brain, say, whatever happened to that beaver? Because the, the dam will be gone one day and the beavers yeah. are gone. And I think, oh, they've, they've been moved. But didn't give it much thought. So last summer, July 12th, uh, day I won't f- soon forget, uh, we were out for this walk in the evening. And sure enough, there's the beaver swimming along, or bobbing along I should say and it was actually my wife who stopped and said that that's there's something not quite right because he was coming up for air in the same spot within you know two or three feet and we watched long enough to realize that no he's not moving on he's stuck in one spot and uh, we said well what can we do to help and we didn't even have our cell phones with us that night so we kind of scurried on as quickly as we could and uh, actually ran into a couple of friends just around the corner Chris and Susan Finkel, and just said, do you have anything that floats? Do you have a canoe, kayak? He said, oh, we just brought our kayaks home last night. So threw them in their truck and uh, back to the culvert. By this time, we had a cell phone, and we called 911, got put on hold. Mm -hmm. So, okay, we're on our own. And uh, I think I drew the short end of the straw because I was the one that went out in the kayak, and it literally was going through my mind, what am I going to do? I mean, I don't know how to handle a panicked wild animal and uh, out I go to the poor beaver and he he was so panicked he thumped into the uh, kayak almost flipped it and when I pulled up to him he almost climbed aboard he was just uh, panicked scratching the side there were scratch marks in the kayak down later and I'll never forget the look in the poor creature's eyes and I wanted to just grab him pull him up and uh, I guess the the sane side of my brain took over. I said, well, they can cut down trees. They could probably take a good bite out of me. We actually had a boat hook and uh, fished around the bottom, and I brought up a wire, and I'm thinking, okay, this is the problem. He's caught somehow in this wire. Mm-hmm. 
Chris, on shore, found this wire had been attached to a, a post on the culvert, started pulling that, and uh, basically the beaver and everything sort of moved towards shore. As we got to shore, I had, the beaver was getting very tired and panicky, trying to dive into the rushes, and I uh, pulled him up by his tail, and was just blown away by the size of the tail and the whole yeah. beaver. <clears throat> and as I brought it up, you could see his foot, and on the foot was a trap. And mm -hmm. just instantly, the whole situation changes, and uh, we're realizing, okay, this is. At this, at that point, I thought it was a poacher. I mean, I knew nothing about trapping. And when we saw the trap, it looked so crude and cruel <laughs> that uh, I said, "What else could it be?" Mm -hmm. Anyway, I tinkered around with the uh, trap, not knowing how to open it, or you know, it was totally alien to me. Plus, it's dark. Plus, it's wet somehow got the trap open and the, I think the blood and the wetness allowed the yeah. beaver to pull his foot out. He scrambled up on shore, panting, gasping for breath, surrounded by us within two feet of him, didn't bother us in the slightest. And uh, we took a few pictures and saw that his leg was, was bleeding pretty badly. When I backed the kayak out, he just popped in the water and that was it. So the story, the story took a hold of me, <laughs> took a hold of all of us, and uh, I went home, ranted for hours on Facebook, and that started a ball rolling. And it, the community got wind of it and has, I mean, through the summer there was just a, a, a gang of people out on the street waiting to see the beaver every night. Yeah. It took about two weeks before the beaver showed up again, and we didn't know if he'd been just scared off or, or died of his injuries or just what had happened but he showed up and uh, we had heard that a beaver had been trapped the night before possibly his mate mm -hmm. so he was alone and then in August we found out that he was with a mate so I don't know if that was wrong information or or uh, he found a new mate but there was the two of them working in tag team and I should go back a bit I, I happened to be a videographer a video producer and I was thought. I thought to myself, "Well, here's a story. Yep. <laughs> I better uh, better cover this." It was strange that I could not get the media, to, the local media, to get on this. Mm -hmm. To this date, the paper has never done a story on this that I am aware of. Anyway, I thought, "Well, I'm. I do video production, sort of on a corporate level, but documentaries are my passion." And I said, "Well, here's the story. It's literally jumped in my lap." And uh, that's consumed my life since last July, and I've uh, created a version, uh, pretty much Belleville-focused for our, our local dog fest, basically to sort of say to Belleville and the politicians and the powers that be, said, "This is the story. Um, we have to deal with this. Yeah, there's got to be a better way of dealing it with it than what I saw." Along with his wife, Carolyn, and other compassionate members of the community, like neighbors Chris and Susan Finkel, who helped out that day, Doug approached City Council wanting to find solutions that would protect everyone, including the beavers and other animals at risk from traps. Kelly McCall was one of the city councillors who heard the community's story and decided more could be done. My involvement came from an email from Doug and Carolyn Knudsen, who I did not know in advance of of their discovery here on Hank Road. 
Well, initially, I did not know the City of Belleville was doing that, and I made some inquiries and was referred to the department that was hiring someone to do it, and I was mortified, completely disgusted by it. Mayor Mitch Panchiuk, who was at the time Councillor Panchiuk, also supported a move away from lethal control and toward a humane long-term solution. Well, we were, I think, kind of embarrassed that uh, in 2018, at that time, uh, that we were still using what we consider to be barbaric, um, you know, uses to deal with with uh, with beavers. Uh, you know, we're we're extremely limited as a as a municipality in dealing with uh, beavers and other animals. Um, but we felt, uh, Councillor McCaw and I felt that we need to do it in a in a humane and a compassionate way. And what we were doing just wasn't working. So, and it seems that the community as a whole has come together around the need to protect these and other beavers. It's been a struggle. There's been ups, there's been downs. But uh, here we are in May and uh, May 2019 and we're kind of at the end of the story and it's it's a positive outcome. It's not, I was wondering, are you going to be, is Belleville going to be a hero or is it going to be a villain? And here we are at the hero stage and I'm just overjoyed that uh, the fur bears have come and brought Skip and, uh, you know, things are happening. The city is enthused, the city is mm-hmm. behind us. Um, I think Belleville's going to be a kind of a shining example of what can be done. Well, I can tell you the positive response I've received has been far greater than a few negative responses. I receive the odd email from a resident in the area who have concerns. As you were with me, you saw one of them today. Uh, But the majority of people across the city and even neighboring municipalities have actually come to our council during these debates about beaver trapping. So I, you know, at this point, I I have no regrets for taking this this fight on with the Nitsons. You know, they should be commended for bringing this forward because not even we and council knew it was happening. Um, We've had some great uh, interest from the residents who have talked to us about alternatives, and we are certainly open to them. Um, There was a resolution that we passed to eliminate the use of leg hole traps um, uh, last year, which was unfortunately defeated. Um, and now we're going to, uh, to, to re-look at that. But we also wanted to bring in some training for our staff to talk about different uses. And uh, so we're going to give this a try and see how it works. That's the best thing uh, I think that we can do. And uh, going forward, we hope that it'll be different from um, a, a, a type of trapping that is not just inhuman and, um, uh, you know, sadistic to animals, but also puts our children and puts our pets uh, in danger. The Fur Bears was able to assist in connecting the community with Skip Lyle, who came up from Vermont to install some of his famous beaver deceivers. As the inventor of the product with more than 20 years experience, Skip is an international expert on protecting beavers, habitat, and infrastructure. He worked on two culvert sites while in Belleville. Culverts are very common a dam site for beavers mm-hmm. because uh, they're essentially small holes in, in giant man-made dams, uh, i.e. roads. And so as such, they're beaver magnets. They'll always be dammed by beavers when they occur in beaver damming habitat, which is low gradient areas on small streams. So uh, typically or traditionally, uh, beavers are killed and, and backhoes are used. and. Uh, to clean the culverts in, 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 in an endless cycle uh, and uh, 
it's endless because, as I said before, they're magnets and beavers are great explorers of the landscape and they will keep damming these same sites. New beavers that haven't been killed will come in and dam the same sites in perpetuity. And so it's an incredibly inefficient uh, approach when you look at it from a long-term uh, viewpoint. So flow devices uh, is a generic term for structures that protect culverts and other, other uh, properties from damming by beavers in a non-lethal manner. And the idea, the general idea is to, at a culvert site, is to, to, to build a, an initial fence. And I, I should say that I'm, I'm talking more specifically about my own products, which are beaver deceivers. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, they're really the, I'm the only one who really makes beaver, uh, true beaver deceivers. And uh, there, it's always a combination of an initial fence to protect the culverts from being uh, clogged directly or dammed directly by the beavers, and but which is rarely enough because the beavers will eventually dam around a fence on a culvert. And so it's combined with a pipe system, and that's really where all the deceiving goes on. And you're essentially sneaking water away from beavers with that usually a fairly large pipe, mm -hmm. 15 or 18 inches in diameter, and then with a, a, a sophisticated filter to filter water in and beavers out on the upstream end of the pipe. And uh, so by, by doing that, it's, it's, it's uh, difficult, if not impossible, for the beavers to, to uh, raise the water level and make progress. And uh, so if you use good materials and good building techniques, it can be a, a remedy for many decades and uh, it's far, far less expensive than killing beavers. And that's not, not even counting the enormous ecological and hydrological values that you gain by not extirpating this native, con uh, native keystone species from every, from a fairly large radius around every conflict point. Belleville is taking great strides forward as a compassionate community that will coexist with beavers. And Doug is hoping other communities struggling with conflict will follow their lead. I would say that pretty much everybody around here has moved here for the same reason that we did. Yeah. I mean, to have this park here in our backyard in the middle of a city is, I think, pretty rare. And I've been out both snowshoeing and, and kayaking in this creek. And if I couldn't hear the sounds or see the occasional roof, I would swear I was in Algonquin Park or oh, yeah. some wilderness. It's just tremendous out here. The beavers have built a, a second dam upstream, really extensive, and it's raised the water enough that they can live in it. Yeah. They do need a certain depth of water. And that was what was worrying me, that if the culvert kept being drained and filled up and drained, they weren't going to have enough water in the winter. Mm -hmm. So they did make it through the winter, and it was a pretty harsh winter. Um, but the outlet is now going to be, there's no, no issues now with draining uh, nope. the marsh. So I think it's a win-win-win situation. Absolutely. And if you were going to talk to someone from another community who's in a similar position to you a year ago, you just found out this is happening, you're upset, you're confused, you're angry, what advice would you give them? Don't put everything on Facebook. 
<laughs> you might get a visit from uh, the authorities that you didn't like. Yeah. No, it, I just go back to my own experience. We were just, uh, we didn't know where to go. Yeah. We did know, not know where to turn. Um, when the Ministry of Natural Resources came, we didn't know they were the authority. I mean, I, I was thinking it was the police that I had to go to or something. But I guess uh, Google is your friend and just start mm -hmm. searching. That's how I found the fur bears very early on. Yep. And know that other communities are going through the same thing. I, I just heard of one today in New York that it sounds like they are in the exact spot we were a year ago. And they're signing a petition and beavers have been trapped. And I just wrote a little note of encouragement say, listen, you know, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Since I've delved into the beaver world, I'm finding this is like virtually every community in, well, not even North America, the Northern Hemisphere yeah. is going to be dealing with this, has dealt with it or is dealing with it or will be dealing with it. Absolutely. So it's a huge issue. And as our cities keep growing, we're just pushing farther and farther into uh, the natural world. So, you know, as people are complaining, why are the coyotes here? Why are the beavers here? Why are they coming in? No we're the ones that came into their home mm -hmm. and uh, don't be surprised if they're still here and I, I you know I've heard it said we can't kill ourselves can't, we can't kill our way out of this uh, situation sorry Chris I stole your line <laughs> <laughs> you can learn more about my time and this exciting work in Belleville in a blog post at thefurbears.com and you can support our work to get more trained individuals across Canada ready to help protect beavers by making a monthly donation or one-time gift at thefurbears.com slash beavers. All of these links are, of course, in this week's show notes. I want to thank the people of Belleville, Doug and Carolyn, Chris and Susan, Joe and his crew, and the people who put up with me at the Best Western for four days. Your generosity and kindness was greatly appreciated and will always be remembered. I'll be back next week with a regular episode, reviews of the podcast, new patrons, and some exciting news. Until then, I'm Michael Howie for Defender Radio and the Fur Bears, reminding you to be kind and stay informed and stay strong. <laughs> <laughs>